Welcome to Unbooking the Tankatory, the bonus series from Unbooking the Territory, where we look at the in-ring career of Tank Abbott. This week, it's a one-man's meat takeover. Welcome to Tank Talks. Danny, how are you? I'm really good, mate. How's yourself? Better than I deserve to be, pal, and ready to take the reins from your resident tank abbot experts for a while. <laughs> Definitely, mate. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Rob and Dan have handed control of unbooking the tankatory over once again as Danny and I break down the times where WCW's hardest man wasn't punching people into oblivion. The next three episodes of this fine series will have Danny and I discuss the what's, why's and wherefores of WCW in the year 2000. And I've got to say, mate, I'm not mad at that at all, as there's been loads to enjoy in this particular year in WCW, hasn't there? Oh, a lot, mate. And uh, to me, it's all about surprises. It's like, wow, I didn't know this happened and I didn't know that happened. <laughs> yeah, too right. I mean, one of the beauties of this particular series is... When it comes to listening to wrestling podcasts for me, especially podcasts that look at the older stuff, I kind of like to watch the episode of whatever someone's looking at before I listen to the episode they do, you know? Yeah, definitely, mate. So watching back a lot of these WCW episodes from the year 2000 and actually seeing, you know, some of the memories I've got from WCW in the first place have come from this time period. So, yeah, it's been a lot more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be, to be fair. Yeah, same, mate. I mean, I've just really enjoyed, like, just learning about, like, because you always hear that narrative of, like, oh, WCW in 2000 is bad, but it was it's completely um, the opposite. Absolutely. I think there is a lot of residual dislike for the likes of, uh, you know, Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff, and people like that, that, you know, people assume that these guys are the reason that WCW went under and I don't think there is any one reason but there's an awful lot to enjoy in these programs it's not all completely perfect don't get me wrong but um I wouldn't say that this was the final nail in the coffin of the company by any stretch oh no definitely not mate but that is another tale to talk about in the eventual post-mortem of WCW and we do have an awful lot to break down today my friend but before we do, since this is a uh, UTT property, we have to ask... Oh, hang on, mate. I'll just get the door. Oh. Well, Danny, this is a new one. It's the ghost of the macho man, Randy Savage. Oh, wow. Uh, what can we do for you, mate? Oh, yeah! Hello there, boys. I understand from my good friend Stu Hart that you're inviting ghosts on the show these days. Well, it was it was more of a happy accident, really, Randy. Uh, but it's it's lovely to have you on the show with us, right, Danny? Absolutely, mate. <laughs> 
Well, thank you, friends. Always nice to know that the fans are thinking, thinking, thinking about me, even though I'm dead. Oh, yes, Matt, you are very sadly missed, isn't he, Danny? Oh, yeah, big time, mate. So, fellas, we get your podcast over in Wrestling Heaven. How are you enjoying your cup of coffee in the big time? Uh, well, it's it's nice of you to ask, Randy. Uh, at the time of recording, we're the 195th most downloaded podcast in the wrestling podcasts of Great Britain category on iTunes. So we're not trying to let that get to our heads, though, are we, Dan? Oh, no, definitely not. But I'm very happy about it. Well, you stay humble, fellas. Uh, do you mind if I stick around and listen to the recording? Um, no issues here, sir. What do you yeah. think, Danny? It'd be an honour, mate, to have you. Yeah. Well, uh, Randy, it's 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 all good here. Uh, can I can I get you something to eat? I've I've got some crisps in the cupboard, although you probably call them chips over in the states. Chips. Gotta have beef. Gotta have spice. You want a little excitement? Snap into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. Well, we we don't really get Slim Jims over here, bud. Um, but there, there might be a pepperami in the fridge. They're, they're basically the same thing. Well, I'll be the judge of that, brothers. See ya. Um, yeah, um, bye, Randy. Happy munching. Just make sure everything's in your uh, cupboards when you um, go back in the kitchen later, mate. <laughs> totally, mate. Uh, I, I think this podcast's haunted, you know. Oh, it is. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm sure he'll be back at some point to listen to what we've got to say. So uh, we, we might as well crack on. Uh, but, mate, as I was going to say, we are a UTT property. So uh, what are you drinking tonight, fella? I'm just sticking with the uh, normal Coke tonight, mate. Um, how about yourself? You can't go wrong with a bit of that. And, uh, yeah, I'm also keeping it a little bit simple tonight. So while the night's recording isn't strictly a school night, I do have some training in the afternoon. So I'm trying to keep a little bit of a clear head. So yeah. I am just having a, a standard Heineken tonight just to keep my pipes refreshed. Ah, one of Dan's favourites as well, isn't it? Yep, indeedy. It's it's one of the few uh, year-round lagers out there that I quite enjoy, so no harm in it. Brilliant. Well, old son, we are back on Thunder this week for the 26th of July 2000, and the network tells us that WCW World Heavyweight Champion Booker T faces Jeff Jarrett in a non-title bunkhouse brawl. Tank Abbott challenges the filthy animals to a dance contest, plus Miss Hancock battles major guns in an arm wrestling match. Vampiro and the Great Muta take on match in Drak and Sean O'Hare. Judy Bagwell demands a match with Canyon and more. So it sounds loaded as always. Yeah, action-packed. And before we go anywhere, pal, since we're down with the clowns till we're dead in the ground, we need to talk about the fact that WCW has suddenly gotten all juggalo-friendly. We are finally in the ICP era. Oh, I noticed that and I was thinking, yes, I mean... This is brilliant. Yeah, this is going to be a good time. It most certainly is. Uh, but sadly, we do not get a quick fire recap this week. 
but I have watched the preceding episode of Nitro, so I will chip in where appropriate. So, we open with WCW's MVP of 2000, Ernest the Cat Miller, in his limousine, speaking on the phone with his mother. He was hoodwinked by Vampiro and Muta on Nitro Danny, who had got into a fake feud in order to swerve the cat, as the great Muta has joined the Dark Carnival. Oh man, this I found was very entertaining because normally on uh, wrestling shows you think, oh yeah, they're going to open with like um, the opening segment talking about the main storyline. But this is like a little uh, sidebar storyline, isn't it? And it's getting this much attention on the opening of the show. Loved it. Yeah, I did as well. And of course, it means more Vampiro on our TV. So there's no real harm in that, is there? Oh no, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) But the cat states that he's going to let Chronic take care of them tonight. But he's still not having much luck as the young dragons jump him again. And this attracts the ire of Ice Train. And that's not racism, listeners. M.I. Smooth is basically a rebadged Ice Train. As Jamie-san accidentally puts a sledgehammer through the limousine window. Proving, Danny, that Jamie Noble has more common sense than Bill Goldberg. <laughs> It certainly does, but that's one thing I um, noticed when I noticed that um, this was Ice Train, uh, MI Smooth, um, I was blown away because I didn't know who Ice Train was until I started doing uh, Nitro Nights with Psy. So when I found out this was the same man, I was blown away. Yeah, he was with WCW for ages. I think he started with them back in 93, maybe. Wow, I didn't even know it goes back that far. So, yeah. Yeah, he, he kept popping up in Germany between it, but yeah, he was he was signed by the company three different times within the like a <laughs> eight or seven or eight year period, you know. Yeah, definitely. But the cat placates smooth by putting him in a match with the dragons, which should be decent. Yeah, absolutely. Man. I mean, this is. I mean, um, we talk about WWE's tag team division, and this is on point here. It really is, buddy, and you know, there's there's no harm in seeing uh, the young dragons bump around for a big beefy belly dude, is there? No, and they would make they would be pretty good uh, in today's wrestling. They could go for the AEW uh, trios tag team championships. <laughs> they certainly could. I mean, let's face it, everybody else is forced to in AEW with all the people <laughs> Tony Khan have signed. Yes, <laughs> I tell you now, it, it's only a matter of time where we get. Jim Ross, Excalibur, and Tony Schiavone is a trio's tag team. Oh, I cannot wait, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and Tony Schiavone, of course, could be the mouthpiece for the trio as he then pops up to scream over the pyro as we get a look at the filthy animals. And Disco Inferno looks like he's dressed up as my son on a weekend. <laughs> he was definitely uh, very colourful tonight, wasn't he? <laughs> He certainly was, but in all fairness to the guy, uh, I know he's the syphilis of people these days, but I absolutely loved this comedy rapper routine that he had going on at, at this time. It just, it always makes me laugh. It's a cringy laugh, but it's still a laugh. Word to your mother. <laughs> <laughs> whoop de whoop chicka what? <laughs> Whatever that means. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something though, Chris. Was up was very over in 2000, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I mean, these these cornballs take us back to the Budweiser commercials and, of course, the scene in the insanely hilarious, in inverted commas, scary movie um, before Conan rips on poor Evan Courageous, who had picked up a broken ankle in the ladder match last week. 
but the lads have come to help him out with a training ladder, which was kind of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was very, very um, generous of them as well. <laughs> it was. Um, we also get one of Conan's weird little insults as he refers to Tank Abbott as a cranberry, which uh, brings out enough confused rage in Tank for him and Evan to come out for our main event of the evening as Tank gives the animals what for. Word to your mother! Well, enough talking. Let's let the headbutting begin here on WCW's Thunder. And you see that Evan Courageous on crutches is flanked by the one and only Tank Abbott, the new Mr. Rhythm of WCW. By the way, Evan's asked me to let the ladies know his ankle may not work, but everything else does. He wanted you to let him know that, right? That Cut the music! Yo, filthy animals, I think everybody knows that I'm the real tough guy around here. He Ma is toughest man in the world. Madden? And I'm going to issue you a challenge. You see, tough guys aren't afraid to dance. So I'm going to issue a challenge. Let's do a dance contest. What? Tank in a dance Hit contest? the music! If Tank Abbott's in a dance contest, they should have it inside an octagon or inside a wrestling ring. Hey guys, it's Wednesday Night Fever here on TBS. Uh, who's gonna judge this dance, dance contest? Me, Tank wins. He could kill all of us. Wait a minute, from behind, Shannon Moore and Shane Helms, a three count with a sneak attack. This must have been the plan to get the attention of filthy animals to give three count an early advantage here, Mike. WCW Thunder on this night has peaked everyone. Um, the the man has come out. And once again, we get the chance for Tank to show his range as WCW's Mr. Rhythm proposes a dance-off. Now, we can clearly see from what happens during this point that gangsters don't dance, Danny, but Tank states that tough guys aren't afraid to as he puts those educated feet to good use, doesn't he? Oh, really? I mean, you, if you had to rate that, you'd have to give it 17 stars because um, I loved Tony Schiavone just uh, coming up with the monocards. You said um, the Mr. Rhythm of WCW. That is so good. It is clever. That's the thing. Like, I know, I know Tony Schiavone had taken his foot off the gas around this time, but I think he still had a few moments of gold in him, as this proved here, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think... Uh, the best way to get Tony Schiavone to do a really good performance is um, to have people like Mark Madden again uh, by the side of him just making him laugh because he actually sounded like he was enjoying himself throughout this night. Oh, yeah, and Mark Madden was absolutely on fire this week, wasn't he? I yeah. mean, he, he dropped line after line after line. In fact, there are there are far too many for me to come up with a Mark Madden line of the night this week. He was, yeah. he was hilarious. He was, mate. I mean, this was a good it was a good idea to put him on commentary it was um you know he's 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 the right kind of unlikable to me in that he he knows what's going to get people riled up and he brings that into his character and like i say i mean mark you probably are a listener because you, you've responded to us on the uh, one man's meet account enough times we're huge fans of you pal we would love to speak to you sometime yeah that would be brilliant yeah we'll get those time differences sorted out sometime then eh <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but sadly, this dance contest doesn't last for long. This is no 
40 minute Dave Meltzer approved Tokyo Dome classic as it quickly degenerates into a tag contest as Hoovy and Ray take on Shannon Moore and Shane Helms. And who says that three count can only feud with the young dragons, eh? Yeah, finally, something new for them. But I love the fact that they just ran out um, from the crowd and was like, we're going to jumpstart this. We're going to use Tank to distract you and then we're going to jumpstart this match. So that was really cool as well. Yeah, it was brilliant. And it's it's the sort of thing that you don't get anymore. Like we're, we're tuned to accept that, you know, wrestlers will stand for 90 seconds in the middle of the ring dumbfounded while they're interferers for the night just come walking out to their music so no this yeah. was really cool that they actually used the element of surprise to get a match going um however the the dragons must have had some kind of weird muscle memory thing going on because they run out as well before they realize that they're not actually in a match with these guys you know so <laughs> they've been feuding that long i think they've just been automatically tuned to have a pavlovian response to three camps music maybe yeah i think that's the uh, that makes a lot of sense mate. <laughs> <laughs> It certainly does. So there you go. WCW does make sense, guys, even in the year 2000. But this is a typically decent contest that we've come to expect from both teams, with lots of use of the top rope. And we also get lots of ripping off of the WWF, as the animals rip off the Dudley's wash-up thing before UV has an attempt on a people's elbow. Oh, I mean, what was over in 2000 more than The Rock? Exactly. Uh, or the juice, it would seem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of the juice, Hoovy breaks up a magic killer attempt from three counts before nailing Shannon Moore with a Hoovy driver and a 450 splash for the win. And I must say, this has been a decent start to the night. I really don't know how this night can get any better since we've had Tank Abbott out already. I think the only way it could get worse for Disco Inferno is if Tank actually caught him when he tried to cheap shot um, Tank Abbott. And then you can actually hear um, a Disco Inferno say, oh, bleep word, and then run away from uh, um, Tank Abbott at one point, couldn't you? <laughs> you really could. And you know what? I can't even remember if uh, these two ever had a match together. So that's all the more reason for us to re-listen to UTT Tank once this series finally finishes, eh? Yeah, definitely. But Booker T joins us next for an in-ring promo as he's got two feuds going on at the moment with ain't he mid-card Jeff Jarrett and the world's worst heel Bill Goldberg who've given Booker and his brother a proper shellacking on Nitro. Booker feels like he's been to hell and back but has joined an exclusive club of people who have been able to systematically destroy poor Bill Goldberg's mystique since Starcade 98, Danny. <laughs> Definitely have, but with this little replay they had um, just as Booker T was walking to the ring, I loved it because Mike Tanay really put over how big that win was. Um, I don't know, I think you can count the amount of people who've pinned Goldberg um, clean on one hand, but this, yeah, Mike Tanay was really an MVP of this. Yeah, he was. Um, and, and again, I kind of felt a bit sorry for Mike Tanay in the era of... Uh, Nitro and pay-per-views that you're currently watching with Sai because this is a guy that knew his stuff so much but it was just an excuse for the likes of Dusty Rhodes and Bobby Heenan to take the mick out of him whereas at this point in WCW's commentary yeah there was still a lot of uh, you know the face commentator and the antagonist on colour but Mike Tanay was able to actually flex his muscles a little bit and actually you know show his knowledge so yeah this this commentary team's quite underrated yeah 
Booker then starts referring to Jeff Jarrett, who he's meant to be facing at New Blood Rising, as he calls him out before hitting his new catchphrase, don't hate the player, hate the game. And that noise right there, Danny, means that it's time for Steve-O to booker it better. I'm only joking, but I'm loving this Man of the People vibe from Booker. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, a really perfect character for him. Um, it's one, I wouldn't say WWE have ever got this right with Booker T, the way, because a lot of people have said, oh, this was just a rip-off of The Rock, but I do not see that at all. This is This just feels right. Yeah, this is one of my many problems with the invasion, really, in that they so quickly went to making Booker T a heel when, as we've seen over the last couple of weeks since Booker T won the title, I'm I'm not trying to say that they're trying to make another DDP here, but he really is a man of the people here. And I really think if they'd... Again... This this all goes to when they debuted him during the invasion angle as well. If they'd given this a couple of weeks until they're in WCW country, I think they really could have done something with Booker here. Like there was no reason why he even had to be involved in a heel alliance angle. You know, they they could have just had him, you know, having no part of it. You know, like for the same reason, like WCW never attempted, even at their peak, to try and put Booker T in the NWO when they did it with Stevie. You know, he respectfully stayed out of it, didn't get involved in his brother's business. They didn't even feud until they got back together as a team. You know, they they could have made something really credible with Booker T, but instead, because they were turning the WCW guys heel, he had to be lumped in with all that as well, and it took a massive amount of digging from WWE to actually bring him up to a certain level before they just went and turned him heel again. But then, of course, we got King Booker, which is awesome. Oh, yeah, big time. And uh, you're you're dead on with that because it took them years to actually um, make Booker T feel like a main eventer again, didn't they? It did. Like, even when they eventually gave him the world title in his King Booker phase, you you didn't get the impression that this was a main eventer here. It was more like a a slightly more credible JBL, I yeah. would say, really. Yeah, but I there would... you go. Yeah. <laughs> but um, WCW did get Booker T right, um, and Jarrett takes his cue well to come out to issue a challenge to Booker for the evening, a non-title bunkhouse brawl. He even proposes a lights-out stipulation, which after 30-plus years of following wrestling, Daniel, I still don't get what it means. (laughs) Neither do I, but thankfully we do get a little bit of an explanation uh, during this because, yeah, um, it's something AEW have done as well, and I've always struggled to think, what does that mean? Like, How can that be unsanctioned if the TV cameras are still on? if the audience is still in the arena. so But they did at least try to give us an attempt at an explanation here. Exactly. And I think it means different things to different companies because we've had a recent <laughs> Lights Out match in WWE as well. And all that meant is that they got to promote a soft drink and make everything UV. But yeah, there you go. But with that, I mean, I, I want to criticise that. But then I found out that... Um, the company that sponsored it paid WWE a million dollars, so nobody can criticise it now. Wowee. Crikey, if a company wants to pay me a million dollars, they can paint my walls whatever colour they want. <laughs> Goodness me. I, I, I 
can't say I blame him, can you? Yeah, I mean, it took everything out of me of like, oh, man, I was going to make a rant about this on Twitter. And then it was like, one million? Oh, man, you could have you could have taken over the Royal Rumble for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Could could you imagine a, a, a Royal Rumble completely in the dark? There would be so many injuries after that, wouldn't there? Oh, yeah, big time. Everyone be chucked out, landing on their necks, everything. <laughs> <laughs> but Booker is prepared to put his body on the line. Um, and they even start the brawl early before we cut to the promise of a Goldberg interview later, which sounded promising. Oh, yeah. I mean, they heavily promoted this throughout the night and it, it just seemed like they were just trying to take the best bits and put them on video to make sure that you didn't tune out. Exactly. But talking of tuning out, more of my thoughts on that interview when it comes up. <laughs> uh, but the cat is backstage with Booker and Jeff to make the match official before we get WCW's least believable couple, Miss Hancock and David Flair, who were with Mean Gene, who is practically tugging himself off over the skin-to-win match at New Blood Rising with Major Guns, isn't he? He certainly is, mate. And it's like, um, I just wrote down... Um, Mean Gene being a perv here. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but there is an arm wrestling match tonight first. And Miss Hancock states that if Captain Wanker's Daglow Stoner Emporium get involved, the match at New Blood Rising is off. So for the sake of the two poor people that have to review New Blood Rising, let's hope they get involved eh, bud? Certainly. But I, I think... When I heard that the um, MIA were going to be banned tonight, I, I just sighed relief because I was like, oh, at least we don't have to see them for the rest of the night. <laughs> oh, what what a sweet idea that could have been, mate. But uh, yeah. never mind. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> we now get to our second match as the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea takes on Skipover, a.k.a. TNA legend, Elix Skipper playing the smiley, bouncy baby face he had. Lovely to finally see him on TV. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was his debut, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, I loved, I loved this. Um, I, I'll never criticise like people trying to um, have a match in their debut or anything like that because there were a few like missed spots, but I can't criticise that because he played it off very, very well. He did. And let's face it, I mean... The poor guy was facing a guy like Prince Ayakea as well. So, you know, he has to do the best he can when, when yeah. that is your bumping factory, isn't it? Oh, yeah, big time. And with uh, uh, Prince Ayakea, the artist, I feel, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like he's unmotivated or less motivated than he was about three months before this. Yeah, but I mean, uh, again, while... Wild to us, this angle screams absolute money because, let's face it, it's a really clever idea to actually do that since, you know, Prince was going through his symbol gimmick right now and so it just made yeah. perfect sense. Can you imagine being lumbered with a gimmick like this? Oh, yeah. Um, but he, uh, I mean, he just, he didn't seem into it. But I also wrote down, what do you think of the name Skip Over as a ring name? Oh, it's rubbish. <laughs> I it's, actually it, it's it's awful <laughs> yeah it's like is it just one of those puns of like oh skip over this guy's matches or, or something like that it's <laughs> something i can imagine disco inferno coming in up within the booking room maybe but um thankfully this name doesn't last for very long as he is about to embark on 
an amazing journey in WCW with one of our perennial favourites. But I'm sure we will get to that in the weeks to come. Yeah. Um, but we do get to see a lot of Elix Skipper's wonderful offensive manoeuvres, including an excellent looking Thez Press from Elix, as Taff Cappy knows his place as a punching bag, doesn't he? <laughs> he certainly does. <laughs> It's in this match as well that Mike Tanay states that lights out means an unsanctioned match. So they could have just said that, really. Yeah, they could have, yeah. <laughs> <You'd think. laughs> but the artist hits back with an angle slam before grabbing a chair, but he licks intercepts with a baseball slide before a miscommunication leads to a German suplex from Taff Cappy for two. He calls for the chair from Charmel version 2.0, but Kui Wee beckons her out of the arena, prompting Skipper to hit a jumping spin kick and a playmaker for the win. And it's nice to know that Prince Ayakea is back where he belongs, on his back, looking at the lights. <laughs> Jobber to the stars, yes. <laughs> exactly. I, I just, I've got a challenge for you, mate, just off the, off the top of my head when I was reading this. I've got, I wrote down, skip over, missing, skipping over, literally the artist. Can you say that three times? Say, skip over, missing, skip, skipping over. <laughs> I can't even do it once. Skip over, missing, skipping over, literally the artist. Is that what you want me to say? Yeah, yeah three times. Can you say three that? Three times. <laughs> I can't even remember it once. Um, <laughs> Skip over, skipping over, literally the artist. Skip over, skipping over, literally the artist. Skip over, skipping over, literally the artist. Yeah, you did it. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well done indeed. Thank you, mate. Um, mean Gene is then shown with Captain Wanker's Dayglow Stoner Emporium, as Gene is now tugging it to Major Guns instead. This means that we get the chance to hear from Tylene Buck herself. And she's going to show what these guns are packing, Danny. And by guns, she of course means her biceps. Because it's arm wrestling. <laughs> I wrote down for this. Um, Major Guns isn't going to win any um, promo of the year award or anything like that. But once she was trying to be serious, I just kept getting distracted by... Captain Wanker's just his stupid facials behind her. It was like this was very distracting. <laughs> it was, uh, which is Buildemot's deal completely. It's like how how can I fill a room while somebody else is trying to be entertaining? Yeah, and it That's... kind of just I mean, it just overtaken it overtook um, Major Gun's promo, but it, which wasn't anything to speak of uh, um, to begin with. <laughs> no, but. Never mind, she, she did her very best, yeah. um, and she can only get worse from here on out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we then get to one of WCW's um, sadly never-gonna-be's, Buff Bagwell, who's taken his mum out on a date, hasn't he? Oh, he has, mate, and he's taken her right to Wednesday Night Thunder. I mean, who else? where else could he have taken her? <laughs> well, he could have left her at home. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> but she is here, she is simmering with rage, and she is looking for words with the cat. And another man that's simmering with rage is M.I. Smooth, who comes out now to face the Young Dragons. And this match is really just a chance for commentary to poke fun at Shivani, calling him I am Smooth instead. But thankfully, he sees the funny side of it and gets involved. 
he does, mate. And that's the best way because he could have just been all arsy about it and went, oh, I'm not playing along with you. But I did note, um, did you notice the Nitro Grill appearance announcement during this match? Oh, no. Oh, so Tony Schiavone uh, makes a note of saying that Goldberg won't be able to make an appearance at the Nitro Grill the next night, the Thursday, and his replacement is Lance Storm. Yay! (laughs) Prime Canadian beef. Lovely. Can you imagine? You're just thinking, oh, man, I'm going to meet Goldberg, one of Dove Stuffy's biggest, uh, well, he was a baby face here anyway, and yeah. then it being replaced by Lance Storm. Oh, I would have been raging. Oh, I know. But then, you know, <laughs> this is this is the Nitro Grill, so there would have been nobody there anyway, let's face it. <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> it's, it's such a shame, really, because, honestly, like, obviously, we are from a part of the world where we were very WWF-centric, you know, Heat was on once a week, Sky was surprisingly affordable, I wish it still was, yeah. you know, all of that good stuff. And yet, I wanted to go to the Nitro Grill. I wasn't bothered by WWF New York. I wanted to see what the Nitro Grill was all about, and we'll never get to see it. No, um, Nitro Grill, just going back and looking, comparing the two restaurants to each other, Nitro Grill actually looked like a more entertaining place because they actually had fun with naming their um, foods. Some like you'd have like the Slam Burger or did uh, the Cutter fries or anything like that. And while well, WWF just had like, from what I remember, just basic chicken sticks and things like that. <laughs> basic chicken sticks. I wonder if they uh, use that term to describe, oh, I don't know, Dean Malenko or something like that. <laughs> But on the plus side, you might get to see Michael Cole and Taz. So, oh yippee! Or um, Spike Dudley having a beer and lamenting <laughs> the loss of his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the Dragons try for quickness for a bit and start off relatively well with triple teaming, but they keep getting powered out before shoot Japanese Kaz Hayashi gets tossed out towards kayfabe Japanese Yang before a bubble bomb to other kayfabe Japanese Jamie-san wins it for smooth peanut butter. And it was a squash, but it was a good one. Yeah, it really worked well for MR Smooth because that it was in a suplex that he applied, I think, on uh, Jamie Noble at one point. That's where I clocked that. It was the same suplex that Ice Train used. And then I looked it up and I was like, wow. I can't believe it, but we, we talked about that at the beginning. But, yeah, it was just from a suplex, so it's just crazy how a moveset can um, distinguish a wrestler. Yeah, it was. And, I mean, again, I see Ice Train as a bit of a missed opportunity, really. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying give the guy the world title or anything like that, but he could have easily been utilised in a tag team here. Um, you know, he was, he was brilliant in Fire and Ice. And yeah. There was no reason why they couldn't have done something more with him than just have him as a a backstage character doing little of anything. Yeah, definitely. Although I bet he was probably on a decent wage to just turn up in a (laughs) suit every week. Well, we can look that up at some point because they're all made available, aren't they? They certainly are. (laughs) We then cut to Positively Canyon, who is sporting a black eye. So on Nitro, Danny, he'd kidnapped Judy Bagwell. So the belief is that one of WCW's biggest stars got his head kicked in by some fat lass from Georgia. Now, now don't get me wrong, I can believe it um, if the rumours about Judy Bagwell are true. 
but that's the story you know like at least come up with something better yeah i think they could have had something where they could both go in a room and then you just hear a load of sounds and then canyon comes out holding his eye i would have loved that yeah absolutely that would have been a lot better uh, but never mind, uh, we, we then cut to the other side of this instigation as the cat is talking to his good friend James Brown on the phone before Thunderthigh's Judy barges in and starts throwing her considerable weight around. So Cat tries his best to exercise his authority, but Judy's having none of it and she gets her match with Canyon. Poor oh, Canyon, I, Danny. I know, it's, it's terrible, but... You know what, Judy Bagwell had a good explanation. She said, your ratings are down. Anytime I'm on this show, ratings are up. And I think she's right about that because who wouldn't want to see Judy Bagwell <laughs> on television? But yeah, against Canyon, oh, I don't know about this. No. And poor Buff being associated with his mother again, just when he was starting to branch out on his own. I mean, not, nothing against Judy Bagwell, you know, I mean, she's she's a fun little character and all that sort of thing. But I just want Buff to fly on his own accord, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's very much like when uh, Shelton Benjamin had his um, kayfabe mother uh, on uh, WWE television. I mean, you just couldn't take Shelton Benjamin seriously. No. You mean that Mrs. Benjamin wasn't really his mum? No, because it, it was like six months before they showed his real mother in the crowd. <laughs> Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> oh, well, that's 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 crushed my uh, <laughs> my my last remaining cafe belief. Never mind. Eh? <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> oh, it's all right. No, um, in all fairness, wasn't she younger than him as well? The, the actress that played his mother. I think she was. I remember hearing a story about how Vince McMahon loved her and wanted to put her on television immediately. But I think you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah, or at least she wasn't old enough to actually be his mother. But uh, but there you go. Um, <laughs> so uh, once we get done with a shoot mother, we now get the epic battle of the harlots as Miss Hancock and major waste of WCW's money have themselves an arm wrestling contest and David Flair's refereeing. What can go wrong? <laughs> what can go wrong? Well, um, something, something, hesitation. Something, something, Mark Madden has an erection. Something, something, back and forth. Something, something, David cheats. Something, something, catfight. Something, something, Guns loses hair top. Then we get the best thing about this shite day, as the wall is now part of Captain Wanker's Dayglow Stoner Emporium, and these guys could grow on me if he's involved. It's the wall, brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be the wall. <laughs> but no, uh, to give a, a little bit of context, I, I actually think this happened on the, the previous Thunder because there was no mention of it on Nitro. Uh, the wall had been fired by the cat and Lenny Lane had been hired in his place. So um, that officially makes him a, a misfit, I suppose. Uh, hence him, uh, you know, being a... A candidate to be part of the Diglos Donor Emporium. Yeah, I mean, to me, as this was going on, I was thinking, who is actually the best member of the Misfits in Action? And my award went to straight away to the wall. Uh, who would yours be, mate? Oh, it's far and away the wall. I mean, this is somebody that is the unofficial president of the Lash LaRue fan club. But if you've got a faction with Lash LaRue, and the wall and you asked me to pick one well i'm sorry but the wall wins every time yeah absolutely i mean 
Um, and he's, uh, at some point in this episode, he gets initiated, doesn't he? He does, yes. Uh, we're not too far away from that, actually. But but first of all, Mean Gene has wiped himself on the curtains and is ready to interview Canyon. Now, <laughs> is, is Canyon calling Judy Bagwell his Kimberly here? Yes, he did say that, yeah. I thought he did, uh, but the, this is all leading, Danny, to the epic Judy Bagwell on a forklift match at New Blood Rising, I think. So we've got that to look forward to. Oh, we certainly have, mate. And I think so. I think that's the only logical way that this storyline could go. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, but um, I've, I've completely forgotten how that turns out. So I'm afraid we're going to have to watch that as well. Although I, I do remember the match between the two lads being decent. So there is yep. that to look forward to, at least. Yeah, absolutely. We then get our initiation sequence as delicate little flower, major waste of WCW's money, gets comforted by the wall before Captain Wanker shaves his hair off. What a bastard! I couldn't believe it. I mean, why not just keep it and just have a crew cut? But nope, he just yeah. shaved it off. <laughs> I know. I mean, flipping heck. I mean, he'll he'll have him giving power plant trainees naked stink faces next, won't he? <laughs> With jelly donuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, I, I can never get that image out of my memory. It's just nasty. Yeah, it, definitely something that I'll be glad to get rid of. Exactly. But referring to other acts of nastiness, the Dark Carnival are putting the boots to Chronic backstage, meaning sadly that their match is off because I was quite looking forward to it, really. Yeah, me too. I mean, any time we've uh, gone back and looked at a Cronark match, it's actually really good and entertaining. And definitely, I don't care what people say, they are not a rip-off of the APA. I think these did the gimmick way better because they were more believable. Exactly. And they were stoners, not alcoholics. It's a completely <laughs> different gimmick. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the best new team in WCW come out next as Vampiro and the Great Muta issue an open challenge. But sadly, even though they were seen on Nitro, Violent J and Shaggy 2 Dope are seemingly too cool to be seen on Thunder, unfortunately. Ah, oh, that was a shame because I was looking forward to them coming out. But instead, we got um, we still got the two of the members of the Dark Carnival coming out. So We do. And another thing that I think is a shame, uh, although I do like the network dub is that for obvious reasons we do not get the wcw theme that icp recorded uh, but we will be talking about it at some point as uh, i own the wcw mayhem the music cd yeah and uh, i think we will eventually do it as an episode yeah i've got that cd as well um not too long ago so yeah that could be something we could look at as well Oh, brilliant. That's good. It's actually quite a cool little CD, really, to be fair. Yeah, everything except that Goldberg uh, alternative theme song. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was it Crushing by Megadeth? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's 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 also taken off their worst album. So, yeah, that, that's something that we'd rather forget. But never yeah. mind it. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that we will never forget, though, is that the open challenge is answered by perennial one-man's meat favourites, Jean Draken O'Hare. And they give it their all, and they even look good doing it. But all the youth and athleticism in the world can't match a goth clown and a balding legend of Poro. As a leg lock from Muta to Jindrak, 
wins it for the Juggalos. But this was another good contest, Danny, and I really like this new team of Vampiro and the Great Muta. Me too, mate. And if you're going to replace Kronak with anyone, I'm glad it was Jindrak and O'Hare because these two need uh, definitely need to get their shine as well. Oh, yeah. And it could have been worse, Danny. The challenge could have been answered by the Ginetti twins, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah, they could have been. But the demon comes out next to add insult to injury for poor Jindrak and O'Hare. We get stereo love guns to our boys, which is that uh, twisting chokeslam thing, before the new brothers in paint get a rude interruption from Chronic, who were absolutely fine, the fakers. Yeah, they certainly were. I mean, they weren't selling anything. But I just made a note about Brian Clark's meltdown. It's just, I mean, it never, any year that he competed on television, it just always looked devastating. Yeah, it does. Like, um, you know, it, it's one of the better pump handle slams out there, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian number two hits Vampiro with that, um, as Brian number one hits Muta with a love gun of his own, allowing our champions to stand tall, leading into what is going to be their programme for New Blood Rising, I think. I'm, I'm sure they face Vampiro and the Great Muta. I can't wait, mate. That should be very entertaining. It should be. Uh, what is equally entertaining is that Judy Bagwell continues to emasculate her son as she makes him sit in the locker room while she goes to kick Canyon's head in again. That's what I was saying. It was that I love Canyon just mocking DDP's um, standing in the corner. Um, his little uh, talk. It's all right. You can come in. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello, son. We've got a run-in from Danny Kebabs now. <laughs> Are you all right, mate? How did you get on? Have you got to have your leg chopped off? No. No? Oh, I that's to, good. I need to have some medicine. You need to have some medicine? Is, is it nice medicine? Yeah. I need to have it four times a day. Okay. So I need to have it at lunchtime when I wake up. And I also need to have it at tea time and when I go to bed. Okay, brilliant. And you're going to take that like a big boy, aren't you? Yeah. Good lad. Lovely. And it's bright pink. It's bright pink. Lovely. Yeah. Well, Danny, um, or Daniel even, welcome to Tank Talks. Welcome. Yeah, you, you are a surprise guest on uh, Unbooking the Tankatory. Isn't that nice? Hi, Hi, Rosie. I'm assuming that everybody can hear you since you've got your back to the microphone, but hey. never mind. <laughs> So, mate, um, Danny Kebabs is the star of the Bumblebee podcast, which episode two will be coming soon. Uh, but right now, he needs to take his medicine and then he's going to bed, aren't you, mate? Yeah. Lovely. Good night, then, son. Straight to bed. <laughs> Good night, pal. Good night. Bye. So, uh, let's see where we were. Oh, yeah, that's it. So, Judy's making Buff sit in the locker room while she goes to kick Canyon's head in again. And did you notice that um, Judy Bagwell's pyro, um, which was Buff Bagwell's pyro, but it looked very good on her, I would say. Yeah, it did. And I, I loved that she completely got into the whole, uh, you know, she did everything that her son would do during the entrance as well, which was quite cool. Yeah, it's like one of those um, crater wrestlers on uh, the PS2 games or any any console, and you just pl put a different wrestler in front of uh, and use the wrestler's pyro. I think that looks really cool. Oh, yeah. A lot of those YouTube videos are quite funny, really. Like when they've got, say, you know, Triple H doing Victoria's entrance or yeah. um, 
Brock Lesnar doing, you know, the Fandango thing. It's it's all quite cool, really. Yeah, it really is, mate. And that's what this reminded me of most. But yeah, we get a a, a weird little contest here, don't we? Yeah, we do. Uh, I, I think it it taught it speaks more like a extended vignette more than anything else, really, yeah. doesn't it? Like, yeah. you know, um, we we get the recap of what went down on Nitro with the kidnapping. And what have you. Um, and, you know, given what happened to Canyon, I, I, I'm getting the weirdest vibes that Judy Bagwell's getting groomed to be the next Tank Abbott, isn't she? <laughs> well, I will say one thing. She, her punches are way better looking than Shane McMahon's punches. <laughs> oh, I know, most definitely. I mean, those 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 punches wouldn't give anybody a, a black look, let alone a black <laughs> eye, would they? No, absolutely not. But, yeah, um Canyon uh, offers her to leave, doesn't he? He does, but she is having none of it, is she? But um, one of the things I loved about Canyon's DDP impression is that whenever he does it, his lisp completely disappears. Yeah, I found that really um, almost strange because like, I didn't think he was in control of that. But yeah, he should have stuck with this his entire career. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Danny's going to bed now. So, I I am able to say, now that we've dragged this out as much as we can, I keep calling him Danny. This <laughs> is Danny, my son's Daniel. So, now that Daniel's going to bed, I can say that Canyon offers Judy to leave. So, she kicks him in the knackers in response. <laughs> as you do. <laughs> exactly. I can't have him picking up things like that yet. But yeah. uh, Judy soon becomes a shrinking violet as Canyon shoves her to the mat prompting Buff to come out, but Canyon prevents him from getting in the ring, threatening to break Judy's neck if he even tries. This prompts Canyon the time to make a stipulation for the match. If Canyon wins, Judy becomes Canyon's valet. Now, I say it again, why would he want that? I think in the terms of KFAV, it was just to annoy Buff Fairwell. That's the only explanation I can imagine because I can't... Yeah, I'm with you. I just can't see why he would want that. No. Um, but Canyon celebrates getting what he wants by Canyon cutting Judy and buggering off out of the arena. And I've I've got to be honest, uh, Danny, I, I can't remember the result of this match. So it's an, an excuse to watch it again. Um, yeah. But... To be fair, if it gets Canyon out of this horrible storyline, I hope Buff wins. Yeah, same here. And just before um, Canyon leaves, he uh, he gets out of the car and Canyon cuts the security guard, which I loved because it really made me laugh. <laughs> it did, yeah. We we get our random Canyon cutter of the night. And again, I love it. He's, he's doing a runner but he still has time to just pack up and, <laughs> and and hit his move, which is amazing. Love it, mate. It's way better than the RKO out of nowhere. Yeah, it, it is a, a lot better than that. Uh, yeah, the, the original um, RKO out of nowhere, mm. I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, with Randy Orr's ones, all of them took place in the ring. Canyon's ones took place everywhere. Exactly. There was there was no uh, photoshopping him into YouTube videos doing that, was there? <laughs> Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) So we get another Mean Gene segment as um, he lets Big Vito, a.k.a. the Goomba of Ooh Ah, smell his fingers before Vito issues a challenge to Lance Storm 
for the hardcore title or the renamed Saskatchewan Hardcore Invitational title or SHIT for short. And that's a real thing, Danny. I'm not winding you up. I can't believe it, mate. When I read that, I was like, what? I was like, no way. But yeah, someone was having fun, weren't they? They were. And this will be a rematch, Danny, as Lance Storm, who was already the WCW Canadian champion, beat Vito for the hardcore title on Nitro in what was a lovely little match, if you get five minutes. Yeah, I'll take your word for it, because earlier in the week you said you was watching that, and yeah, it did almost tempt me to, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, uh, honestly, mate, I mean, uh, yeah, give it time, even if you watch the whole thing, anything with Landstorm in it is absolutely gold, and if I remember correctly, I think Landstorm opens the show with a promo on this match, so yeah, it shouldn't take too much time out of your day. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Something that I also hope doesn't take too much time out of our day, because these two are really starting to knob me off now, are Shane Douglas and Tori Wilson, who have a sex tape to show us. Now, this long interminable storyline originated on Nitro, where Kidman showed a sex tape of himself and Tori from their previous relationship. Kidman is then shown in the back with a tape of his own, laughing away, which sounds ominous. (laughs) It certainly does, but with um, one thing just uh, annoyed me when Tori Wilson and Shane Douglas came out, I was really looking forward to hearing Shane Douglas say, cut the damn music, but instead Tori did it and it just did not have the impact that it would have if Shane Douglas said it. No, it didn't because uh, Tori Wilson is absolutely terrible and had no <laughs> right to be on TV. I, I think I said in a in a previous episode. Um, but there you go. Yes, we we do next get the Curly Watts and Raquel of WCW as Shane Douglas and Tori Wilson get ready to show their Gonzo grot to the world. Uh, when we get to see the footage, though, it's revealed that Shane Douglas is a bit of a Mister Floppy, doesn't it? I was shocked with this because I'd never seen this storyline before and I've read about it. I was like, oh, they can't have gone that far to to actually show something like in a hotel room or something. But yeah, um, I don't know how I feel about this storyline because it... I know I get comedy relief and things like that, but Shane Douglas, it, it, it feels misplaced. It, like This could have been done to someone else rather than Shane Douglas. Yeah, I, I don't want a legitimate pure wrestling heel like yeah. Shane Douglas being involved in romance storylines. I just don't. I mean, was there was there really any harm in just building Kidman up as a credible baby face and giving Tori Wilson as his valet since they're actually together in real life? You'd think, wouldn't you? <laughs> but it it's was. it's like Rob Van Dam said something years ago in an interview that his whole career he managed to avoid romance storylines because he just spoke up and said I don't want to do it I've got a wife at home and Shane Douglas in this role it just it just feels like it's the wrong person to put in it I think I think anyone else would have uh, done it but not Shane Douglas but he did try his best and he he did um his reactions were very entertaining I'll give him that Oh, yeah. And he, he does try his best, as, as you say, but this is all just a little bit seedy, which means it's obvious that Vince McMahon was going to love it. And poor Tori Wilson has to revisit something like this uh, when she, you know, appears on Smackdown in the early 2000s. So she has no luck at all when it comes to videotapes, does she? Absolutely not. But I did love uh, Billy Kidman holding the 
um, videotape because it brought back a great sense of nostalgia of someone holding a VHS tape. (laughs) (laughs) Care to indulge? Well, no, not uh, a VHS tape of that, but just holding the actual physical VHS Tape. Oh right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not of. I, I certainly didn't have anything of Tori Wilson or Shane Douglas, <laughs> <laughs> but Mark Madden did, didn't he? <laughs> oh yeah, he most definitely did. He he liked to to reveal that. Um, and talking of revealing, we get the reveal that it was Kidman that broke into his ex girlfriend's gaff to go over her private collection. So our hot young babyface isn't just a bitter ex, Danny. He's also a creepy little creeper. I thought he would uh, rest him for that if he just admitted it on television. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> you know, he's conducted a, a home invasion and, you know, he's showing illegal porn to a <laughs> worldwide TV audience. I mean, you know, they've, they've locked people up for less. Oh, yeah. I mean, Shane Douglas has uh, grounds to sue, certainly. <laughs> he does have grounds to sue. And in, in my mind, he completely turns himself babyface by throwing Kidman into a garage door as well. I mean... <laughs> I've got to say, Danny, I'm not enjoying this. Yeah, uh, this is a miss for me, this storyline. I just want to see Shane Douglas out of this storyline. Yeah, I mean, in my normal Shane Douglas viewing, it's mid-1995, and he's just having one of the best feuds I've ever seen with his real-life best friend, Cactus Jack. And the the promos alone are, are worth watching it for. And then... I loved Shane Douglas. I wanted him to succeed. I was glad he was in a prominent position in WCW, but this isn't it. This yeah. this isn't what you give a guy like Shane Douglas. It's just not on. Yeah. But there you go. We, we then get to Mean Gene again, who takes time from asking Lance Storm if his bell end is supposed to look like that afterwards to allow Storm to answer Vito's challenge as we next get a Canadian Rules hardcore match. Whatever the Canadian Rules are, because they don't certainly reveal them, do they? No, they don't. But I loved um, Landstorm's little sign-off of don't blame Canada, blame yourself. That had to be in response to that um, South Park movie where they made that song about blame Canada. Yeah, it was. um, I think it was something that the ECW fans used to sing at him on the... You know, back during his time there. Not that you'd know, because they took all of that out of the the <sighs> network stuff. But yeah, I'm pretty sure I've got some ECW VHSs upstairs somewhere that have still got. It, it's it's weird because um, the all the dubbed music and stuff are actually taken from the videotapes that the company owned that the WWF bought. So around oh, around 2000 a lot of the theme music got overdubbed, but for the tapes from 98 and 99, there's the original ECW themes, which obviously lifted from, you know, um, proper music and what have you. So you get the likes of like Yoshihiro Tajiri coming out to Diesel Power by The Prodigy, and of course Rob Van Dam coming out to Walk. But one of the things you get is the ECW fans singing Blame Canada at Landstorm, and I've, I've kept those tapes for the simple fact that one day I want to, you know, dub them over onto a hard drive or something to yeah. have these authentic bits, you know. Oh, man, that sounds brilliant. I've never heard, um, I didn't know that, that that got brought to wrestling, the South Park Blame Canada song. I need to see that, mate. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll have to see what I can arrange for you, fella. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> 
But Vito gets the early advantage in this match as he takes it outside the ring. But Storm manages to intercept him coming back in before Vito edges it with a mafia kick and leg drop. Vito goes for a top rope elbow but only gets two. But Storm gets a super kick and grabs a chair, nailing Vito to the head for a two. And knowing what we know about headshots now, should never be a two count. No, <laughs> certainly not. No, but Vito counters the Canadian Maple Leaf into a small package for two. But after a bit of chain wrestling, Storm eventually catches Vito in the Maple Leaf again for the submission victory, prompting Mike Storm to make the save afterwards. Thankfully, though, the fat chicks are in the back as Mike ran out, you see, so they wouldn't have been able to keep up with him. No, they certainly wouldn't. But I've made a note here. This was actually, in my opinion, this was the best match on the show. Um, What do you think, mate? Far and away, most definitely. And it wasn't all to do with Lance Storm either. Like, I mean, we're, we're massive Vito fans anyway, but a lot of what we've seen is just him, you know, cracking skulls as a, a out and out hardcore wrestler so yeah. to actually see him show what he can do because you know he was he was quite the technically minded jobber on early WWF programming in the 90s it, it's nice to actually see what he's capable of doing yeah absolutely mate. I mean, he even said it in the pre-match interview a little while before this he said um, I don't care about wrestling all I care about is knocking someone out crack, cracking skulls and things like that so yeah he's very much playing up to his character he is. Uh, but a guy that isn't playing up to his character at the moment intentionally is Bill Goldberg, as we get what was a waste of nine minutes for the average casual fan, as we finally get the much hyped up Bill Goldberg shoot interview, um, responding to Kevin Nash's shoot interview of his own this week. And uh, this this was an interview, Danny, that even RF Video would say was too insider to broadcast, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the biggest takeaway I had on this. It was like they were forcing the um, inside lingo. It was like, okay, okay, but it just came off bad because um, was this nine minutes? It was, yeah. It felt like 25 to me. That's how much down. it dragged on, yeah. Yeah, I actually wrote down that I thought this went 20 plus minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it certainly felt like it. And, and look, don't, don't get me wrong, WCW were toying with a lot of internet-based content at this time. They had uh, Nitro segments that aired during ad breaks and stuff that you could look at. But if you were going to broadcast this onto TV, could this not have been crafted into something a little bit more kayfabe? Yeah. I mean, it just waved in between kayfabe and shoot and ultra shoots because, like, he just, it just, to me, like I said earlier, it just felt forced. It did. And it, is this really how you turn Goldberg babyface again by literally having him shoot on his love for the fans while dragging? <laughs> you know, the booking down for doing this to him when it wasn't what he wanted to do. I mean, why why didn't he just stick to his guns? He was the biggest star in the company at the time. They would have listened to him if he stuck to his guns. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And it, it, it's sort of annoying that they keep bringing up Scott Hall as well. And, I mean, Scott, we know Scott Hall's not coming back. Um, and it's just like, okay, we get the payoff and things, but uh, I, just, I just found that annoying. Yeah, it, it has its foot too much in like both camps, doesn't it? Yeah. When it, it really needs to stick to one, which is the kayfabe one, 
and actually stick to it. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. You know, we we are fans that would consider ourselves to be internet wrestling fans because yeah. you know we we do go online, we we do look at the news and the scoops and all this sort of thing. We use all the terminology, even though we probably shouldn't. We yeah. we know that it's all a work, brother. <laughs> but this is the year two thousand at the time of this show coming out, and a lot of fans probably wouldn't even have an internet connection yet. So. I mean, does does anything in this interview redeem this tripe for you at all, mate? No, but something really puts a, a sour on it is um, at the end, Goldberg says the line, I don't care if I win or lose. I'm just coming to kick your behind uh, Kevin Nash. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you don't care if you win or lose. Mm, I just That wouldn't have been Goldberg of 98 or 99. No, but... To be fair, if this had been a kayfabe interview, it probably would have been a cool line. But yeah, it's like, if you're going to spew all this stuff, whether someone's told you to do it or not, mm. don't end with that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, but, Danny, um, we are due another famed WCW shoot interview on next week's Thunder, as Juventud Guerrero appears to reveal that his real name is Jim, he's from New York, and Kevin Sullivan, bro, told him to put an accent on and impersonate The Rock. Oh boy, we're in for a bumpy ride. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, though, that interview was not saved for the main event of the evening, as the main event was a nice way to calm the average fan down after that insepid nonsense, as Booker T and Jeff Jarrett come out for a bunkhouse brawl. And I know we've talked about network dubbed themes. I've got to say, I love Jeff Jarrett's. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it really matches his character because they didn't just outright go and put his uh, WWF theme on there like they did with Raven. Um, This actually seems like they took the time to actually uh, sort this out and find, oh, something that fits his character. And it really does. Yeah, it does. And this, this match kind of fits jeff jarrett's character as well in a way i mean it's it's a standard hardcore match but it's got the just the right amount of memphis to keep me entertained i i absolutely loved it to be fair i mean you know it's it's not going to win any wrestling observer awards not even if tony khan put it on but for a tv main event it was a lot of fun really for a for a walk and brawl it really was, man. It felt important. That's why I wrote it down because we know these two are in a bitter feud and have been for a long time. And it's just like, um, I just wonder how long will it take for AEW to book a, a Jeff Jarrett um, bunkhouse brawl match? I'm sure that's coming soon. <laughs> oh, totally. And, you know, if, with the right opponent, I could see it. I mean, I, I don't know who that opponent would be, but as long as they keep the best friends away from it and... The, Sadly, because I'm going off of them. As long as they keep the Blackpool Bloody Combat Club away from it, um, I'd I'd love to see it. To be honest, it's it, it's the sort of thing that Jeff Jarrett should be doing in 2023. You know, it's, yeah, it's a good way to kind of hide a lot of the ravages of age. Really, even yeah. though he looks great for his age, you know, he's he's still in his fifties. No, you're right about that. I mean, a lot of the times he's doing tag team matches. Um, but yeah, something like this could be really cool for him. Yeah, it could. And but also, he also came out dressed as 2023 Jeff Jarrett, didn't he? He did. Yeah, to be honest, maybe when he was crafting his look, you know, he was looking at old 2000s tapes and thinking, <laughs> oh yeah, 
I need to dig that back out again. I mean, I mean, again, I've, I've got to say, it is sad that he hasn't brought the last Outlaw character to AEW because that was cool. Yeah, that would have been brilliant. <laughs> but what was brilliant is the fact that um, this story kind of, this story, this match plays into the main Booker T story, which is that he has declared from day one that he's going to be a fighting champion. So him getting punished left, right and centre by his challenges is really playing up to that as he has a lot of kind of odds to overcome. And as much as we've ripped on him for being a bit mid-card, Jeff is no exception here as he, he cinches the bull rope on Booker who manages to fight back with a spine buster and commentary do an excellent job of actually putting Booker T over rather than talking about other things going on. So again... Yeah. Commentary were the best part of this show this week for me because they they actually stuck to the topics at hand. Yeah, there's definitely been an improvement, um, whether that was a meeting backstage or whatever. Um, <laughs> there has been an improvement, and also as we said earlier, they just sound like they're having fun. Yeah, they do, and uh, yeah, it, again, like I say, one of one of the high points on this show. Um, so a Booker T axe kick floors Jarrett. But Jarrett manages to hit Booker with a guitar shot to his already injured knee before a figure four leg lock in the ropes causes the match to be won in Jarrett's favour as Booker passes out from the pain. And it was a decent TV main event. It really was, mate. And whether it was dark or not, um, this could you could put this on any um, television main event and it would have done well because, yeah, um, I did have a bit of a trepidation of having... Booker T and Jeff Jarrett are going to wrestle at the pay-per-view, but that now they're wrestling here. But it, it doesn't really matter in the end of the day because this was obviously non-title and it did build some momentum, wherever the hell that is, that, that um, WWE keeps saying when they say, oh, he needs to build momentum. It built momentum for Jeff Jarrett to actually be taken as a um, credible threat. Yeah, it was. They've they've actually done a really good job of you know trying to rehabilitate Jeff Jarrett as the yeah. next contender to Booker T. So yeah, can't fault them at all. You know what, whatever they're writing down in the writers' room on a week to week basis right now, a lot of it is hitting. You know, yeah. it really is. Yeah, absolutely. But that's thunder, and I I must admit, Danny, while I haven't moaned about a lot of the stuff on this show. I, I found this show a bit of a slog this week. I've, I've got to be honest with you. It, it, it wasn't a bad show. Um, there was just something about it that made it drag. Um, I don't know whether it's because we've had a few weeks of just quick fire cuts to this, that and you're there. And the fact that things here got a little bit more time, it might have just felt a little bit alien. But it wasn't a bad show. I'd, I'd say it was nicely average. What about you? Yeah, I, I would echo those similarities because it was very, um, I think less time for that Goldberg interview would have uh, made it a little bit better. But there, at the end of the day, there were 22 segments in this show, which is always good because you've got loads of segments and things. But I think just a little bit less time on that Goldberg and maybe a few, like a, a couple more decent matches. And of course, why didn't they put uh, Tank Cabot in the main event against Booker T? <laughs> Oh, that would have been amazing, wouldn't it? But then, of course, yeah. we wouldn't have got to talk about this episode because uh, it would have been in Robin Dan's wheelhouse, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> but never mind. Uh, we, we do thank Robin Dan once again for 
uh, handing over the keys to the unbooking the tankatory shed and if you like what you've heard ladies and gentlemen uh, danny and i do have a podcast of our own one man's meat you may have heard the main shows and our latest spin-off series cold cuts every wednesday on unbooking the territory itself but if you want to hear more of our content you can follow us at one man's meat pod on twitter where we will reveal shows that are coming up if you want to listen to the rest of our content which includes disgusting awful which is our semi-regular horror movie review series and all sorts of other fun things we've got in the pipeline do search for us on your podcast providers by searching for one man's meat podcast there's an apostrophe before the s in man's and uh, you'll be able to find all sorts of good stuff on there over 50 episodes of content to check out and as always you can follow the Unbooking the Tankatory Twitter account at UTT Tank. And if you do subscribe to UTT Tank, Danny, you can get tank facts, including the following. Tank Abbott has completed the internet twice. Makes sense, mate. <laughs> <laughs> also, Tank Abbott made a Happy Meal cry. Oh, wow. He's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Before he forgot Tank Abbott's Christmas present one year, Santa Claus was real. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, if at first you don't succeed, you're not Tank Abbott. Words to live by. Words to live by, indeed. And more words to live by, Sherman Tankers, is that we will be back in a fortnight to discuss the 2nd of August 2000 episode of WCW Thunder. Watch Nitro if you want, but it's not the best. But this episode should be a ton of fun to watch and talk about, shouldn't it, Dan, mate? Absolutely, mate. I can't wait to get into that. And I can't wait to get into that either. So until we meet again... 14 days from now. In the meantime and in between time, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening and stay beefy. Meat cider. Yes. <laughs>